the nation continues to fall apart under the Biden administration. Persecution continues to hit the church in Canada while the church in America ignores it. And we discuss the mission of Jesus Christ. My name is Sean Clinton, and this is God in a Frame Show. The show is sponsored by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. So if you always want to start a podcast but didn't know where to begin, Anchor is for you. Anchor is very simple to use, and it's also free. All you do is simply record the audio from your phone, computer, laptop, or wherever, edit it, and then post it. You can monetize it with sponsorships or donation buttons, and you can distribute the sites like a podcast, Spotify, or wherever listen to podcasts. Check it out at Anchor.fm or download the app. And again, it's Anchor.fm or download the app. Alrighty, so we are back. I hope everyone's having have been having themselves a great uh, few weeks. It's been a little bit since I've uh, recorded. And man, it has been a quite, quite a crazy few weeks, uh, politically speaking. Um, so we have a lot to get to today, so I guess just jump right into it. But again, man, this the news cycle these past few weeks has just been absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. It's, it's, it's crazy just how fast things are falling apart. And, of course, it is pretty much is solely due to the Biden administration and his policies that he's pushing. The policies that he's passed um, through executive order or through um, Congress and many others. Just his rhetoric regarding things. and just It's been insane. And the country is suffering for it. Economically, um, just health-wise, uh, culturally, it, I mean, it's hard to describe, it's just, it's so insane right now. Everything's so chaotic, and it's very discouraging, if you will, just, you can just feel that a country can fall apart at any moment. And it's getting, it's getting there, whether it's by just completely, to the point where we just go completely under tyrannical rule, or it breaks out into civil war, and the country just completely just collapse and into ruin and all that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say about it. It's just it's been the same. But again, a lot of it has to do. I mean, I don't, okay. I want to kind of credit myself. I don't want to put all the blame on Biden. Because this has been been uh, bubbling under the surface for many years. This is like the plans that have gone to place economically, you know, all the, you know the policies and all that. It's been bubbling under the surface for a while. It's only through now the Biden administration where they have come forth, went to a vet, and now they're showing its effect. So it's not solely on Biden. Biden is responsible for implementing these policies that have been under the surface. And um, before we really get into this this disastrous presidency, I want to go back, kind of backtrack into his campaign. Because campaign Joe Biden is way different than what President Joe Biden is. Which is usually kind of the case. I mean, it was, it was the same case for um, Trump, if you will. Remember in his campaign, he was very... Um, very, 
how do I explain this? Like, gets very radical in his uh, rhetoric, if you will, um, very uh, populist and almost authoritative in his speech. And it's only in his speech. But as we know, of course, Trump speaks a lot of crap. So that doesn't really matter <laughs> at this point. But the problem with the thing was with the thing was that with Trump is that we didn't really know where he stood, so that's why a lot of his rhetoric was very surprising. But when he got into office, I mean, he governed way differently than what campaign Trump um, acted like. Like he he governed very conservatively. His policies that he passed were very conservative, and all his rhetoric was still the same course. But as far as policies, it's very excellent. The Trump administration had a very excellent uh, tenure as far as policy. It was more just his rhetoric and, all. of course, also the media didn't help at all. The left and the Democrats speeding lies against him didn't help at all. But overall, again, the campaign Trump was different from President Trump. And the same thing is now applying to uh, Biden, President Biden. So campaign Biden... Was can he campaigned as a very, as, as an old school Democrat, a moderate Democrat, who still had a love for had a, kind of this natural love for the country, and you know believe in the in, in the kind of believe in the basic values that the country um, believed in, and I, I remember commenting on this and saying that, you know, if Biden, if a Democrat had to win, I would be more comfortable with Biden, and that's what that's what I said at the time. Because according to his campaign, I mean, this is what we had. And um, I, I did believe in it at the time. Just just by, you know, what he said. And comparing to the other Democrats who are on stage, like Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, and many others. I mean, he was probably, from that vantage point, he was probably one of the best choices. Although, honestly, looking back, probably the best choice would have been Tulsi Gabbard, honestly. But that's that's another point. <laughs> that's beside the point. But regarding the main candidates, Joe Biden at the time was the best candidate. Now flash forward, and you know again he governed as a moderate. He's a uh, government governed, or he campaigned as a moderate again. Sorry, and very just he he was campaigned on very the kind of a. Return to normalcy campaign, like no corruption, you know, get back to the basics and, and all that and all that. Well, flash forward to now, obviously all that was a lie. Because he's been an absolutely disastrous presidency. And not only a president, and not only that, he's been a very radical president. Like a lot of the policies that he's passed or that he pushed and passed and signed and everything. Has all been like Bernie Sanders socialist like stuff. So yeah, he has not been actually uh, actually moderate in terms of his presidency. Um, then what he um, despite what he campaigned on. And honestly, you know when he when it was announced he won the presidency and all that, I honestly thought it's not going to be as bad as people make it out to be. I'll be even at the time. But it turns out I was wrong. I was dead wrong about that. Because it is, turns out is it is as bad as it was going to be. Probably worse than what people predicted. I mean, it's been insane. So let's kind of go through just the different uh, topics right here. The different kind of areas where 
the country is falling apart thanks to the Biden administration and its policies. So let's go to the economy. So I guess what, um, with the economy, uh, just, that's the main thing that people are worried about right now, just how just absolutely just all over the place the economy has been, the stock market is all over the place. And now really just the jobs, job market, supplies, inflation, it's just been absolutely insane. So start with inflation. So inflation, hold on one second. Sorry, I had to open up my, uh, another Google page on here real quick. So, um, anyways, so inflation, as far as inflation, what this means is that, uh, the value of the American dollar has, uh, dropped. And what this means is that the prices of, <clears throat> of like stock, of like gas, of food, and all that have gone up. So you probably noticed, like, over the past, uh, like, few months, like, stuff like, you know, the gas prices have gone up dramatically. I mean, it's gone up almost a whole, not really a whole dollar, but a good amount. Because it was, like, before Biden came in, the gas prices here in Georgia, at least, was about uh, two nineteen, two twenty, maybe a little lower or so. It was kind of in the lower twos, maybe upper ones, I can't exactly remember. But when Biden got in and started implementing his policies and he shut down the Keystone Pipeline and all that, and when inflation hit in, the gas prices went up. And right now, kind of the average here in Georgia, from what I'm seeing, is about $3 or so. I see some like at $289, $299, around there. So, yeah, it has gone up pretty dramatically. But... I mean, honestly, for me personally, though, I'm still thankful for it, especially when I look at prices like California, which their prices, honestly, I mean, yes, it's gone up thanks to Biden, but their prices have always been screwed up. So the kind of, if you see kind of memes on Facebook or Twitter, or whatever, you see these pictures of gas prices at like $5, almost $6 or whatever, that's in California. That is not in Georgia or most of the country. That is in California right there, or probably Oregon, probably Washington as well, the West Coast right there. Because the states are screwed up, so they've their gas prices, gas prices have always been high. So that's not surprising. But anyway, still, the gas prices have definitely gone up. And ever since, you know, Biden has got in. And of course, you see prices of food and you know, stuff like lumber and all that have gone up. And there's other factors that have gone into this as well. But one factor is, of course, inflation with the, do- um, the dollar, the value of the dollar going down. And another aspect of the economy that's been suffering is jobs. So, due to COVID 19, or really not due to COVID 19, it's due to the government response to COVID 19, forcibly shutting down businesses and putting people out of work, the unemployment rate skyrocketed up. I mean, I mean, it really skyrocketed up, unfortunately. And as more states are are opening, are started opening up and everything, of course, the unemployment rate started to go down, and all that. Especially, excuse me, especially in places like Florida and Georgia and Texas, like these free, the free states, basically. But if you look at California, New York, those states, 
you know, they still have pretty high unemployment rates because they still have a lot of restrictions. And uh, also, another problem is that the government is now paying people more to stay home than to work. They're, they're paying, paying people bookers of money just to stay home and do nothing on, an, on unemployment, which is ridiculous. It is ridiculous because there's plenty of jobs out there. I mean, you, you can't make an excuse saying that, oh, I can't find a job, whatever. No, there's plenty of jobs out there. You just got to make the effort to actually go find one. But unfortunately, due to our society, we live in such a just a lazy society where people were, especially the younger generation, wants to, my, like my generation, wants stuff handed to them, wants to just do nothing all day and expect, expect these things. Like basically, they believe that because they're breathing, they, they deserve things. They deserve money, they deserve food and all that. That's why people are getting boogoos and boogoos of money for unemployment. So that, that way they don't, they don't have to do anything. And that has cost, you know, a lot of companies. That's why you see so many people, like, actually companies are trying to, you know, pay, actually pay people when, they, when they're hired. Like pay a bonus pay when people are hired. But unfortunately, it's not really working because people are, again, being paid more to stay home than to actually work. <clears throat> now, you could say, well, one of the companies pay more. Well, the thing is, with the prices going up and everything, no, nobody there to work, they can't afford to pay people more. And plus, there's still a lot of restrictions and, and all that. So... <clears throat> It's not as simple as, like, the companies need to raise wages. It's, it's not as simple as that. What needs to go... <laughs> a lot of this has to do with the, with the government screwing things up as usual. And it's it's very unfortunate. But this is, this is where we are jobs-wise. Jobs and this, actually, this jobs situation has to now affect the supply chain. <clears throat> so, now let's go to the supply chain. So basically, um, if you notice, you kind of be if you've noticed over the past few days, there's been like news reports of like shortages of food and other uh, supplies. There's talks of the shortages um, coming this Christmas with you know Christmas toys and like turkey and all that, and a lot of that has to do with just the chaos. Like for one, is the chaos over on the ports. Uh, with these uh, cargo ships, with um, so for example, on the coast of California, Southern California, they're about like I'm not kidding. This is as of as Gordon Insider, Business Insider, as of October six, there are nearly five hundred thousand uh, cargo ships. These are ships uh, full of like full of uh, shipping containers, which are full of supplies that uh, companies need. To sell and all that. Uh, there's about 500 of these ships. 500,000 of these ships. Stuck. On the coast of California. at the On the ports. Because the ports are so at capacity. Because no one's at the ports to unload. And a lot of that has to do to people. Like staffing shortages. And just all sorts of non, all sorts of crazy nonsense. It's happening not just in California, but also on like 
on the East Coast with Charleston and all throughout the East Coast, but California is definitely the worst. What's happening there? But and a lot of it has to do. I'll get to, I'll get to it the more details in just a little bit, but a lot of it has to do also with the the policies of the California government mandating uh, companies mandate their employees to get vac- the vaccine and all that. So there's multiple factors playing into this crisis. Well, because of this, because of this massive uh, backup at the ports, supplies are not getting to the stores, and now stuff stuff is running out on the shelves. And turn and and because of this, this is what's also causing prices to rise up because because when you have not enough supply of stuff but a lot of demand, obviously the prices will start going up. I mean, it's it's crazy, it's crazy stuff. But again, a lot of this, a lot of this has to do with the Biden administration and their policies. You know what they have passed. Um, due to the economy. And I mean, the jobs report has been absolutely just horrid for him. I mean, the the again, inflation is going up. I mean, the economy is not in good shape right now, and it's really expected to get worse than uh, than better um any times in the future here. But next on the list, I want to talk about for the Biden administration is COVID nineteen. Mostly regarding the COVID vaccines. So, let's just say the um, the, the Biden administration response to COVID-19 has been utter crap, for the most part. And uh, is mainly regarding, again, what I want to focus on, is the vaccine mandates. And how President Biden has recently come out and saying that he is going to you know, he, he's going to order the Department Department of Labor to do these uh, forced companies to mandate the vaccines for their employees. So, um, just yesterday, uh, President Biden posted this on his Twitter. The later, the sorry, the Labor Department will soon be issuing as emergency rule for companies with 100 or more employees to implement vaccine vaccination requirements. Every day we see more businesses um, implementing vaccination requirements and mounting data that shows they work. So, again, this is Biden Recession saying that if you recall a few weeks back or a couple weeks back or whatever, um, President Biden actually issued an order for this to happen and it's actually now going to effect, apparently. Although... The actual order he gave was not exactly an executive order or anything. It was actually a press release. But the Department of Labor is going to take it as an order anyways. Even though it's not an official one. And, but here's the thing though. Of course, you know, they do not have the power to do this. Um, I mean, companies, the federal government doesn't have the power to force companies to force their employees to get a vaccine. Of course, President Biden knows this, the Biden administration knows this, but they don't care. They do not care. They're going to do it anyways. So, I mean, kicking it, kind of screaming about it is not going to really help, but what's going to help is people standing up to this, saying, no, we are not, like, companies I'm standing up to this, employees standing up to this, people overall standing up to, standing up to this, because it's, it's not going to stop here. 
this vaccine and mandates is not going to stop right here at all. It's not going to stop with businesses. It's not going to stop with 100 employees. That's not that number is going to get lower and lower, and eventually it's going to go out into where um, customers are required to get the vaccine, the companies, and to where everybody's going to be required to get um required to get the vaccine, unless people stand up. That's the issue. People have the courage. People have the courage to stand up against this nonsense. We'll see about that, but um, that that, that, is, that is the reality we're living in right now. And not only not only is he pushing this vaccine mandates, but also he's deliberately dividing Americans and on the lines of vaccinated and unvaccinated. And of course, the media. Them guys are not are helping along with this. Uh, excuse me, sorry, but yeah, but you know, yeah. Again, there um, the media, Democrats, the left are are helping out with this, like deliberately b- divide Americans along the vaccine and unvaccinated and unvaccinated. It's pretty horrible. It's pretty horrible what they're doing. But here's Biden yesterday saying that vaccinated, va- vaccination equ- requirements should not be another issue that divides us. And here's what he said. Let's be clear. Vaccination requirements should not be another issue that divides us. That's why we continue to battle the misinformation that's out there. And companies and communities are setting up there, uh, stepping up as well to combat these, the misinformation. Southwest Airlines, at the head of the pilot, the head of the pilot's union and its CEO, dismissed critics who claim vaccination mandates contributed to flight disruptions. School board members, religious leaders, and doctors across the country are fighting misinformation and educating people about the importance of vaccines. All of these efforts are going to help us continue moving the dial to eliminate this disease. I mean, that that is like authoritarian stuff right there. Authoritative. So, basically saying that, okay, why are you, wh- like, why are you, like, being so divisive against, you're dividing Americans on the lines of, like, or that you're, we're requiring you to get vaccine. You should not, we, we're helping you. We're keeping you safe. Why are you being so, like, why are you so against that? We're keeping you safe and all that. I'm sorry, but that's utter bullcrap. Because, again, vaccine mandates are complete overreach. And I'm, I'm, I am against, I'm not, I'm not against vaccines. I'm going to be this clear right here. I'm not anti, I'm not anti-vaccine. Okay, if you want to get a vaccine, that's perfectly fine. If you want to get this vaccine, go ahead. It is effective. It is effective. So if you want to get it, go ahead. If you don't want to get it, that's fine. I'm not going to get it. And, but the thing is, I am anti-vaccine mandate. I am against governments, businesses forcing people to get the vaccine in order to participate. And this is this is where this is what happened. This is this is what ha- was happening. Were that the people were actually saying that? Well, nobody's forcing you to get vaccinated. You still have a choice, but you do have to face the consequences for that. 
And the consequences is that you can't work, you can't uh, shop anywhere, you can't eat at a restaurant, you can't go to ball games, you can't hang out with people or anything. You still got to be at home with restrictions and all that, but you still have a choice. It's not you, they're not forcing you to get a vaccine. They're just taking away your freedoms. I mean, this is 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 utter nonsense. And again, people need to stand up to this. We cannot. Like, we cannot just say, like, scream, scream that we're against this and not do anything about it. We need to stand up against this. If, like, employees, if your company is forcing you to get a vaccine, say no. And, I mean, don't walk out. Make them, make them fire you for it. And also, employers, jobs, or, I'm sorry, businesses. If the government is forcing you to require vaccination vaccines for your employees, stand up against it. If you're if you're not okay with it, stand up against it. Because I mean, yes, I mean you do have, you do have the consequence of facing a, facing a credible fine. But if enough businesses do it, I mean it won't matter anyways because it, I mean the fact. The mandate will be ineffective because enough businesses businesses are going against it. That is, that is this is the only way we can go against it. If people stand up, that is the only way. Not just by screaming about it, just by actually standing up against it. But of course, among other things, is of course we got uh, the border and Afghanistan and all of that. But before I get to that, um, we got to go for the YouTube or God of Freedom to check it out. So not only get the rest of this episode regarding uh, Biden, the Biden's uh, presidency, but also the persecution and the uh, in the Church of Canada, and also the mission of Jesus Christ, and also the good stuff of the week. And remember, you can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Otherwise, I see you next week. This is the God of Frame Show. Alrighty, so let's continue on right here with um, the Biden's uh, presidency and all that. Alrighty, so um, the southern border. Uh, yeah, the southern border is in complete and utter chaos. Or chaos right now, complete utter chaos because we got illegal immigrants flooding into the border into the United States by like by hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands on flooding in and the Biden administration is doing nothing. Doing absolutely nothing about it. We got people being like crammed together in like in these small like, little container housings that are like about a hundred and seventy percent over capacity. Still being crammed together um <laughs> and all that. And again, the Biden administration is doing nothing, absolutely nothing about it. But again, this is all part of a long-term policy that's been bubbling under the surface for a while. This open borders policy about like, like letting everyone in, whoever whoever wants to come in, and all all and all that, regardless of the consequences and all and everything. We are facing consequences. 
because again, of course, Democrats are going to allow you know, legal immigrants to vote, and this and this is where it focuses on. They want they want illegal immigrants in in order for them to vote, so they can stay in power. That is it. That is really much the reason why they're so on for open borders because of because they want to continue to hold power. That's why the Biden administration is doing nothing about it. Doing absolutely nothing about this crisis. They're not doing really any uh, um, de- uh, deportations or anything. They're just letting them in. It's insane. It's completely insane. What's happening at the border is far worse than what Trump ever supposedly did at the border. I mean, you, can be, you can be against whatever Trump did at the border, but you can't deny that what's happening at the border now is way worse than what's happening during what happened during the Trump, Trump administration. Because there's like way of like thousands of more kids like stuck in these uh, immigration facilities than there were during the Trump, administra- Trump administration. But it was Trump that was the evil Nazi putting kids in cages and all that, even though that was Obama an Obama era uh, era policy. But we but we gotta ignore that, of course. But again, it goes the border is just completely out of chaos right now. And of course, another topic is uh, is foreign policy, or really more specifically, Afghanistan. The situation in Afghanistan is is better right now because you know the Taliban is now in control, and they are not. I'm going to cooperate with Americans that openly said this. And as this is solely on Biden, this is solely on Biden his disastrous uh, withdrawal from the region. Pulling all troops out of there without any evacuation, any evacuation, any um, evacuation, any like anything about you know taking the supplies and you know taking the supplies out of there, taking weapons, you know, and all that. They just let them. They just left it there in the airport, and we still got Americans stuck in Afghanistan, and all that, and thousands of other people still stuck there, and the Biden administration is doing nothing about it. Doing absolutely nothing. It is a complete and utter disaster. And he is solely to blame for this. And he is he is solely to blame for that. And of course he got the executive orders and all that. Remember, like on his first day, he passed a bunch of executive orders regarding the, the border, regarding uh, critical race theory, and all that. I mean, again, this guy is complete has a has a complete and utter disastrous presidency. He's a horrible president. A horrible pre- a horrible president. But this is what people voted for. This is exactly what people voted for. Pe- people were warned about, you know, what his policies and everything. But they still voted for him because, you know, Trump is mean. But at least there's no mean choice anymore. If, um, you know, we do have a bad economy. We do have, you know, vaccine mandates coming around. You know, culture is going down and everything. But at least there's no mean tweets. Because that is far worse. Mean tweets are far worse than what Biden's doing. 
whatever, <laughs> whatever. But I hope people are learning from this. I lo- hope really people are learning uh, you know, what a disaster this presidency is, or in uh, in the future will be become more wise on who they vote for and how they vote. Because this is not going to be easy fix, and it's definitely not going to be fixed by reelecting Biden or Democrats who agree with him. It's it's as simple as that. Republicans need to show up in 2022 and 2024. So please, put aside what you thought about the 2020 election, or whether or not you thought it was stolen or not, or whatever. Put that aside, because... And get out and vote in 2022 and 2024 when that election comes up. Because... (laughs) Our country needs... A change right now, because... This presidency is, he is, he's a complete disaster, and and he needs to be stopped. It's as simple as that. Alright, so now let's move on to the next topic, right here. So the next topic I want to head on is a topic I've talked about a few times, but it continues to come up, like, in, like, church culture and news and all that. And that is, you know, persecution in the church. You know, persecution, like, especially in, in the church, like, in churches in Canada, and they go outside of North America, go to, like, South Korea, China, Afghanistan. All the churches there are facing massive persecution. And you see, in Canada, they're facing persecution as well. And it's happening. It's happening all over the place. So before I get to kind of the details of this, I want to... Go to scripture real quick and kind of go through warnings all throughout scripture, you know, telling us that, you know, this will happen. Because people are often discouraged by persecution saying, you know, why is this happening? You know, very almost very surprised by it. But we shouldn't be surprised. We should not be surprised when persecution comes. So first off, let's go to Matthew chapter 5, uh, starting from verse 10. So again, Matthew chapter 5, starting from verse 10. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So now let's go to John chapter 15. At verse 18. Come on. Here we go. So again, John chapter 15, starting from verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would have would love its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out, chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. So now let's jump to 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 12. So 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life, to live godly in Christ, Christ Jesus, will be persecuted. 
And finally, uh, finally, First Peter, chapter four, uh, verse uh, twelve, starting with verse twelve. Here we go. Sorry, uh, beloved, d- beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you, that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of His glory you may, may you may rejoice in exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because. Because the spirit of glory and, and of God rests on you. So obviously, the scripture is clear about uh, um, many warnings about about this about uh, a persecution coming and everything, and how you know we should expect it. Not only expect it, but also rejoice in it. We we should rejoice suffering for Christ because we have hope of restoration at the end. We have hope of. Of course, um, of the of the new heaven and new earth, um, Jesus making all things new. So now let's go to kind of what's really been going on, um, in the church. So I want to focus on uh, what's been going on with the Church of Canada, because you know this is this has been the, kind of in church news for a while. But unfortunately, it's been kind of ignored almost in, in a lot of church circles. But we really should not be ignoring it. And that's, of course, in the persecution that's happening in the Church of Canada, right there, where you got pastors being arrested, churches being forced to shut down, and everything. I mean, some of the more notable cases is, of course, you know, James Coates. Remember, he was arrested back in February for holding church services in Canada despite the government. Restricting, restricting it, and he was arrested and, and was jailed for like a few months at least. And was cool, you know. I had the privilege of actually seeing him speak at the G three conference uh, a couple weeks back, and he was he he gave an awesome talk. It's cool to see him in person, and it's funny. I'm surprised they actually let him out of Canada. But he talked about this. He talked about you know suffering suffering for Christ and everything. And it, it was a great talk. And I hope I'm pretty sure it'll be available on the G3 like website and everything. So if you want to go watch it, um, if it's available, hopefully it's, it is available. Um, definitely go whenever it is. But of course, you had other pastors like um, um, Tim Stevens was arrested as well for holding church services, uh, holding a church service. Sorry, holding a church service. Can't talk. Also, you got uh, you know other uh, pastors like Arthur uh, Pulowski. Um, <clears throat> this actually happened recently, right here. Uh, this is a tw- uh, tweet from someone named um, Anna Kate uh, commenting on this. So here's what tw- here's what she tweeted out. Uh, excuse me. The court judge, the corrupt sorry, the corrupt judge in Canada has ruled that Pastor Arthur Pulowski. Will pay twenty three thousand in fine twenty three thousand dollars in fines, no prison, but an order that prohibits, prohibits him from being a pastor for eighteen months. How insane! Knowing this man, he will not obey. The only one who could prevent 
if that's oh, goodness gracious. The only one who can prohibit a pastor is God, the real judge. So what's happening here with Pastor Archer uh, Pulowski is that you know he's being uh, he's facing fines um, due to him um, holding holding a service at church. Um, he's not being put in jail, but uh, he's being barred from preaching at church for eighteen months. Um, that's insane. That is absolutely insane. I mean, government doesn't have the power to tell a pastor that they cannot do the job. I'm sorry, they, they can't. There's no, you cannot, you cannot put in Romans 13 here. The government does not have um, the power to tell you that you cannot preach the word of God. Romans 13 does not apply here for all you, for all you people who want to implement that. Romans 13 does not apply here. Because it's very, it, Jesus gave us a commission to um, share the gospel with all the world and to make disciples of all nations. It is exactly what you know, this pastor is doing right here. So the government doesn't have the power to prohibit him. Nor he, nor should he comply. We should obey God rather than man. So the, if the government tells us to do A, uh, tells us, tells us, I'm sorry, if God tells us to do A, but if the government tells us not to do A, we do A. It's as simple as that. But of course, you have other pastors being arrested, fined, and all that. There's actually one pastor that got put into prison for six years. For six years. For simply holding a service. Um, this, is, this is insane. This is absolutely insane. But this is the reality that the church in Canada is facing. They're, they are facing persecution right now. People say, oh, it's not real persecution. No, this is persecution. It's a different level of persecution, but it's still persecution. But unfortunately, the American church is, is ignoring what's happening. They're ignoring what's happening in Canada and all that. And they're actually dismissing it as something like, well, the pastors should be complying, you know, Romans 13, Romans 13, and all that. I mean, I'm sorry, but that ain't going to fly. We cannot keep an organist because this is coming. This is coming to America at some point in time. Um, you can see the signs. You can see the signs all over the place. Um, you saw it in California with uh, John MacArthur's church. Um, they tried to tell him that he cannot hold services. And he fought against it. Thankfully, um, he succeeded and, you know, and pushed him, pushed him away. But still, I mean, th that won't be the last time that he faces that. And many other churches in, in America will be facing this at some point. Whether it's due to health orders or whatever. At some point, this is this type of persecution is going to hit, hit the American church. And we need to be prepared. And sadly, I don't think we are prepared for it. But we need to be. Because um, this has been under the surface for years. And many people, many in the church has, have been an organist. Even though it's many, been many people trying to warn us about this, trying to warn the church about this, but they haven't been locked up as crazy conspiracy theorists and all that. I mean, so, 
I mean, try laughing when it actually comes. And try to make fun of these people when it actually comes who were trying to warn you years back. So I want to show a quick video. This is a video from uh, Paul Paul Washer. And I had the privilege, again, of uh, seeing him speak at uh, G3 as well. And he was an excellent preacher. And let's just say, okay, there was about 65,000, almost 65,000 people at G3 this year. So it was held in the Georgia World Congress Center. And again, you got a room full of 65,000 people. And usually, I mean, it's not like people were being disruptive during other sermons or whatever. They're, you know, they're paying attention to everything, but you still hear kind of, you know, people saying amen and, and, and all that. You can still hear people kind of speak and talk and all that, move and all that. But Paul Washer, that room was dead silent. Dead silent. Like you, can, you can hear a pen from across the room drop. I mean, that's how silent it was. Like, we were all too convicted to move. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much what it was. I mean, his speech was very convicting. I mean, which is, which is what a lot of sermons should be. But it was it was powerful. It was absolutely powerful. And he, I mean, I'm glad I got to see him speak. But anyways, um, 13 years ago, he gave a speech talking about persecution coming to an American church. And here's what he said. The church in America is going to suffer so terribly. And... We laugh now, but they will come after us. And they will come after our children. They will close the net around us while we are playing soccer mom and soccer dad, while we are arguing over so many little things and mesmerized by so many trinkets. The net even now is closing around you and your children and your grandchildren, and it does not cause you to fear. You will be isolated from society, as has already happened, Anyone who tries to run for office who actually believes the Bible will be considered a lunatic until finally we are silenced. We will be called things that we're not and persecuted not for being followers of Christ but for being radical fundamentalists who do not know the true way of Christ which of course is love and tolerance. You'll go down as the greatest bigots and haters of mankind in history. They've already come after your children. And for most of you, they got them. They got them through the public schools and indoctrination and the university and indoctrination. And then you wonder why your children come out not serving the Lord. It's because you fed them right into the devil's mouth. So little by little, the net is closing around. And then it's not little by little. Look how fast things are going downhill just in a matter of weeks. Matter of weeks. But at the same time, know this. Persecution is always meant for evil, but God always means it for good. And is it not better to suffer in this life to have an extra weight of glory in heaven? You must settle this in your mind. This is the one thing I want to say over and over. Do not believe. Down through history, you have a wrong idea of martyrdom and persecution. You think that these men were persecuted and martyred for their sincere faith in Jesus Christ. That was the real reason, but no one heard that publicly. They were martyred and they were persecuted as enemies of the state, as child molesters, as bigots.
Man. Uh, he is... I mean, is he dead on or what? I'm mean, again, this is 13 years ago. This is 13 years ago. And during that time, most people, most people in church were not worried about persecution. There was still, you know, the country was still in decent shape and all that. But he was sitting there warning, like, what is to come? And man, I mean, a lot of that has already come true. I mean, Christians are seen as bigots. As, you know, monsters, as, you know, as monsters who believe in crazy stuff and all that. And, and in some places in here in the United States, there are being, Christians are being kind of isolated from others. Like Christians, some Christians are losing their friends. I lost friends over their faith. I lost um, people, some folks like men and women have gone divorced due to the faith. Like, uh, say the man becomes a Christian, but the wife doesn't and she leaves him. Or vice versa. And again, they definitely have come after um, the kids, the children. And you see in the culture all over the place, on TV and movies and just everywhere. This, I mean, this, the signs are there. The signs are right there in our face. It is coming. Whether we like it or not, it is coming. And... It is not up to us. This is a full on. This is. It's going to come whether we like. We cannot stop it. We don't have the power to stop it. Because look, but look, God is still on, still on the throne. He's still sovereign over all things. And in His providence, He may allow us to go through this. He may allow us to be persecuted, and I think He will. But this is in order to not only grow in our faith, but to purify his church. Let's face it, because face it here. Let's face it. Because there's a lot of people in the American church, or should I say American churches, like local churches, who were not actual Christians. They sit there, they profess to be Christians, but they're not actually, they're not actually Christians. They, not, they have not actually repented of their sins or anything. And so, when persecution comes, they'll be the first to uh, balk out and uh, comply to the demands of the state. And they'll be weeded out of the church. But the true church, the, the true Christians, will stand firm in the faith and will suffer for it. And we need to be ready for this. We need to be ready. Stand a word. Um, stay in prayer and grow in it. Grow in faith. Grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And be ready. Get connected with others at, at the church. And and when it, when it comes, when that time comes, when this time suffering comes, we need to rejoice. We will rejoice. Because of the hope we have in Jesus Christ. Because we know that is not the end. We know, because once we die, I mean, it's not like we die and that's it. We, we die, and guess what? We go spend eternity with him in heaven forever. Forever. With no pain, no death, or anything. No suffering, no sin, or anything. It's going to be, it's going to be amazing. So why should we, we should not be revered death? That's exactly why 
we should not fear it. Why should we not fear death? Why should we should not fear suffering, persecution, or anything? Because we have a home ready for us. We have a hope. We have hope of restoration of the whole earth, for one. The hope of, um, the hope of uh, complete defeat of all evil of the earth. This is the hope we have. So we need to be ready. We need to stand firm. We cannot, we cannot, no, we can no longer be complacent and just be comfortable, comfortable in our kind of, in the prosperity, kind of like feel good Christianity. No, we need to dig down, dig down into nitty gritty because it's going to get ugly probably sooner rather than later. Alrighty, so the final topic I want to hit on um, for this episode is this topic of the mission of Jesus Christ. Like, his mission here on earth, you know, what was his purpose for being here? What was the purpose of him, you know, dying on the cross and resurrecting three days later and all that? So, uh, before we kind of dive into his mission, we need to really kind of establish, like, who Jesus is. Like, who is Jesus? Who is he? And because, you know, if you look at in the world and like, kind of inside it, everything, there's many different views on that. It's like, there's many different views on who Jesus is and everything. So, um, for one, um, let's go to the kind of way the world sees Jesus. Jesus. And it's kind of a few ways they see him. Uh, for one, they see Jesus as some crazy guy who talked a lot, you know, who's this crazy, like, radical, who, you know, who should have been put to death and all that, who is spewing, spewing a lot of hate and everything. And then you got people who, who believe this is the world. I'm not, talk- I'm not talking about the church. This is purely the world, how they, they see Jesus. They got some believing that Jesus was a socialist who simply wanted to tear down the system, who wanted to come... And force the government to redistribute wealth and to tear down the hierarchy and everything. But Jesus was some revolutionary socialist figure like uh, like AOC or whatever. Or like Fidel Castro or Joseph Stalin and all that. Like he was the first socialist or whatever. And then got prosperity slash lukewarm uh, Christianity. Or the prosperity lukewarm church. And this is how they see Jesus. And they see him as he was a nice guy, this nice guy, this nice, cool guy who was just easygoing. This, and all he talked about was love, 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 or grace, 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 grace. He was never mean. He was just very soft spoken. And, you know, you can see him, like, this is how the view Jesus, the Jesus was this man who would just walk on the beach. Or skipping, skipping on the beach, throwing flower petals all throughout on the sand, saying, love, 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 grace, 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 and everything. He, like, he was never confrontational. He was never mean. He was just very soft-spoken and gentle and told you how great you were and how awesome you were and that you should not listen to haters and, and all that stuff. 
that's how kind of the prosperity gospel and kind of lukewarm Christianity sees Jesus. Now, who was who was Jesus actually? Like, who was the real Jesus? Well, real the actual Jesus. Jesus, he is he is the Christ. He is the Messiah, the anointed, the anointed one of God. He is the son of a uh, son of the living God. He is he's God in flesh. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is perfectly righteous. He is a, the perfectly righteous and holy God. He is the perfect judge. I mean, that is who he is. And yes, yes, he was loving. Yes, he was gentle. He was merciful. And he he did talk about, you know, helping, helping the poor and helping, helping others and everything. I mean, not in the way that, you know, the, the socialists talk about. But he did talk about that. But he was more than that. He was, he was very fierce in his rhetoric. He was confrontational. He was not always nice, actually. He was ne never... He was he wasn't always nice, especially to the Pharisees and the hypocrites and all that. But he was always good. Th that is key. He's always good, but he's ne not always nice and or nice as we as we describe it. And he was not he was not afraid to tell the truth. Regardless of whether people's feelings are hurt, he always told the truth. And he did get angry. He got righteously angry. For example, when he flipped the tables in the temple, that was simply he made whips and whipped people out and all that. I mean, that that is not the hippie, nice, nice Jesus that people want to describe. This is this is the real Jesus. He is all that. And I mean, it's important to have this have a right view of Jesus. It's very important. Because a wrong view of Jesus leads to a very bad misunderstanding of where, what he came to do. Like, what his mission was. So now, let's get to his actual mission. Like, what was his mission? What was his mission? What was his purpose of coming down to earth um, and, and dying on the cross and rising from the dead three days later? What was the purpose of that? Well... Like like um like last point, I want to kind of uh, give a viewpoint from the the modern American Christianity. This is kind of the, again the prosperity, lukewarm, social gospel kind. Of, this is kind of the, that broad, uh, general uh, church right Christianity right there. Or I should say Christianity because it's not actual Christianity. But I'll get to that. I'll get to that's another type of for another day. But this is how they view, like Jesus', Jesus mission, like and like his purpose coming on here on Earth was. So, here's how they view it. But so they view it as like you know we all make mistakes, but we people are naturally good. So, but what Jesus came to do was to make us better, and he came you know to show us how to treat people and to take care of the poor. He came to you know fix our society. And so that we can live in prosperity and peace and everything. He made, it came to save society. To give us all sorts of, you know, teachings on how, how to be good. 
and everything, and how to act, how to treat people, and how we should love people and, and all that. You know, he was all about love, 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 of course. And, of course, you know, we ultimately have to do this work ourselves with God's help. But we have to do this work ourselves to um, make society... Um, um, to make society a uh, better, to make it possible, um, prosperous in the way Jesus wanted. So again, their view of Christian, uh, their, their view of Jesus' mission that he came to save society, that he came to make society better, to make people, you know, even if people are naturally good, but he came to make them better, make them better than they were before. But here's the thing. That is wrong, for one. So, uh, let's actually uh, go to what his real mission was. So, here's his real mission right here. So, from the fall of man uh, in Genesis 3, all of humanity is dead. We're dead. We are uh, dead spiritually. We are dead in sin. We were, uh, due to the fall of man in Genesis 3, when um, Adam and Eve committed the first sins, we were eternally separated, eternally separated from God. Destined, and rightfully so, for eternal punishment in hell. In the lake of fire. But God, probably the most important, some of the uh, most important couple words in the Bible is, but God. But God, in his mercy, he became uh, flesh as Jesus. And Jesus came down from his throne and lived a righteous life, and he never sinned. He lived a righteous life and never sinned once. Yes, he tem faced temptation, like all of us, but he never sinned. He was the perfect um, image bearer of God. This is how humans were designed to be. But due to sin, we we simply can't. We simply cannot be like that until the final restoration, until all things are made new. But his mission was to come down to save his elect. Because remember, you know, before the foundation in earth, God already knew this was going to happen. God already knew the man will fall and everything, but he pre-selected, he predestined um, those like several several people to be saved, to be redeemed through Jesus Christ. So he came. Jesus came down to save his elect, to save those he chose before the foundation of earth from their sins. He came down to save sinners. So he did this through his death, burial, and resurrection, through his death on the cross and his resurrection, three days later. So he came, he came to save sinners. And he came not to approve our kingdom, not to approve our nation, our society, our culture, and everything. No. He came to establish his, establish his own. To establish his own kingdom. And that, was, that is what's going to happen in the final days, where he's going to come down, his kingdom's going to come down and establish here on earth, and all things will be made new. And he will be on the throne for, for eternity. That's exactly what he came to do. So, in other words, Christ came to save. Sorry, Christ did not came. Let me start over. <laughs> sorry, 
Christ did not come to save to save society. He came to save sinners. Let me repeat that. Christ did not come to save society. He came to save sinners. That was his purpose. That was his purpose for being here. To save sinners. And you probably, um, and some people probably saying like, Oh, what is your proof for this? You know, where does scripture, where in the Bible does it say that? And all that. Well, let's go to it. So first off, let's go to the Old Testament. That is into Isaiah 53. Or as John MacArthur, um, let's say, um, the first gospel. After going through it, I think he's actually right. It is actually the first gospel. It is the first explanation of the gospel, the first iteration of the gospel that we see in scripture. So I, I am going to read all of um, uh, chapter 53 in Isaiah. So starting from verse 1. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the have the Lord have been to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up um, before him like a tender um, shoot, and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that he that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one of one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him, esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and inflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions; he was crushed for our, our, our iniquities. Iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him, and he, and by his scourging we are healed. And all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of all of us to fall on him. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth, like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and he, he like a sheep that is silent before it, it, it shears. So he did not open his mouth. By, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his, his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was, stroke was due, his grave, his grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was a rich man, with a rich man in his death because he had done no violence. Nor was he there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, if he would render himself as a guilt offering. He would see his offering, and he would prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord would prosper in his hand. As a result of the, of the anguish his, of, of his soul, he would see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge of the righteous one, my servant will, will justify the many. As he will bear the iniquities. Therefore I will allot him a portion of with the great with the great, and he will divide the booty with the with the strong, because he poured out himself to death. He was murdered he was sorry, he was numbered with the transgressors, yet he himself bore the sin of many, and the and the interceded and interceded for the transgressors. 
So that was Isaiah 53 right there. That was all of it. And that is probably the best prediction. Or I shouldn't say prediction because just the way it's worded. Um, that's another topic for another time, though. But this is the best kind of prophecy of the Messiah, of Jesus right there. And that is like pretty much the entire gospel of him suffering for our sins. And then um, towards the end where he rose from the dead three days later and he's now glorified in heaven with the Father. And of course, it's not the only verse. Now, now let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse 21. So Matthew chapter 21, verse, um, sorry, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. But go and learn about what this means. I desire... Sorry. Sorry, actually, let's go back to verse 12. I wrote, wrote the wrong one on my own notes. Anyways, starting from verse 12 in chapter 9. But when Jesus heard this, he said, It is not those who are healthy who, are, who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now let's go to Romans 6.23. So Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ Jesus our Lord. And finally, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Three, verse fifteen. Hold on, I think I wrote something wrong on my notes here. I'll be right back. I apologize for that. I was actually First Timothy chapter one. Verse 15. So, let's go there. It is a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance that Christ, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among, them, among whom I am foremost of, of all. So, obviously, Scripture is clear on what Jesus' mission was, which was come to save sinners, not society. Again, like I said before, Jesus, Christ did not come to save society. He came to save sinners. So, so like, why don't we talk about this? You know, why, you know, why exactly I don't bring this up? We're bringing this up because people have a very wrong view. Many in church, many professed Christians have a very wrong view 
of who Jesus is and what his mission was. And it's important to get them back on track. Because we, we as a church need to abandon this hippie false Jesus we made up and return to the real Jesus. It's simple as that. We need, we need to abandon that Jesus. We need to abandon that false, like, this hippie, rose petal, skippy on the beach guy that we made up in our minds. And go back to the real Jesus. Go back to his word and follow him. We need to get back to, again. We need to get back to the nitty gritty. Not not stay comfortable in our prosperity and try to pretend all things are all nice, are good, and good, and good, and everything that Christ wants. You know, wants us to live our best lives now and everything. No, we need to abandon that. We need to abandon that false teaching and go back to the gospel. The church needs again, once again, it needs to rise up and proclaim the gospel. Because, again, due to the persecution that's coming here in America especially, the church needs to be prepared for it. And the way we prepare that is by standing up and proclaiming the gospel. And stop being cowards about it. Proclaim the gospel, the true gospel. Not some false made-up gospel, not like the prosperity gospel or the social gospel or the black liberation theology gospel or whatever. We need to go back to the true gospel, to the true word of God, the inerrant, infallible, authoritative word of God. It's as simple as that. The gospel is enough. It's sufficient and everything. We need to go back to it. We need to go back to the real Jesus because he is enough. He is enough and he is perfectly righteous and perfectly just. But he's also merciful and forgiving. And so we need to go back to him and abandon these false antichrists that we made up in our minds. All right, so that is all for the topics. Now, now let's go to the book of Acts. We get it ready to wrap up. So we are in Acts chapter 11. And we start in verse 11. I'm going to 18. So to kind of give you kind of background on this uh, chapter right here. So go back to chapter 10 actually. So we got this man at Coralinas who's a Roman satyrian who got a dream or not really a vision from a vision from an angel. Actually, sorry. Who told him to go find Simon, Simon Peter. And he did it. He went to go find Simon Peter. And Simon Peter um, then proceeded to um, tell him about the gospel and Cornelius eventually was saved through by Jesus Christ, and that and then Peter then uh, proclaimed the gospel to uh, to the Gentiles in that region. So this was the first instance of the gospel being spread into the Gentiles. The first instance, of, and of course we got Paul, who's going to be the main driving force of this going into the Gentile nations and all that. But Peter was the first one to actually inst- instill it. Now, for chapter 11, you know, the apostles, you know, in the brevet, you know, the kind of the Jewish Christians who were in Jerusalem or in Israel or, in Ju- or Judea, whatever, Judea, you know, were kind of angry with Peter 
for like eating with the Gentiles and, you know, being with um, um, telling them about the gospel and everything, because they viewed as the gospel as it was just for the Jews. But it turned out, of course, Jesus not, did not come just for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. All because he chose to select from not just from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. Because as it said in Revelation, every tribe, tongue, and nation, sorry, there'll be believers from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And so Peter, um, going down to about verse 10, was, you know, back in, in kind of recalling what happened and everything to really kind of rebuke the these uh, fellow apostles for being angry at Peter for this. And so, last off, we'd love to the chapter 10, or verse 10, so we're now going to be starting from verse 11. And behold, at that moment, three men appeared at the, at the house in which we're, we were staying, having been sent from Cassiria. The Spirit told me to go with them without um, misgivings. The six brethren also went with me, and we entered the man's house. And he reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send the Joppa and have Simon, who is called Peter, brought here. And he will speak words to you by which you will be saved, and you will, um, and, you and all your household. And, I, and I, as I speak again, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as he did upon us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord how he used to say, John be John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore God gave them gave them the same good as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was that I who was I that could stand again stand in God's way. When they heard this they, they quieted down to glorify God, saying, Well well then God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. Okay, so we'll stop there for right now. So that was a uh, Peter, Simon Peter, kind of finishing up, finishing up his kind of summary of what what happened, and kind of in his rebuke against the apostles and everything. And like, kind of great point he made there was like, who am I to stand in God's way? Because it's, they're simply Gentiles. Who am I to stand in God's way for that? <laughs> I mean, I'm just a lowly sinner. He is He is God. He is the creator of the universe. And he's exactly right. Like, who are we to stand in his way and his of his purpose? And, and thankfully, you know, the apostles, you know, did repent of that and then were uh, rejoiced in the fact that Gentiles heard the gospel and the message of forgiveness. It's pretty wonderful. So we'll be, um, you know, continuing on through chapter 11 uh, next week. But now let's get to the good stuff of the week. All right. So some good stuff of the week. So uh, Marvel's What If has finished off its uh, first season. And I know we talked about, I talked about a couple of episodes, but I'm going to kind of summarize it overall. Um, it was an excellent series. It's probably my, my favorite Marvel TV series, MCU TV series so far, with um, WandaVision being a close second. But it was excellent. It's kind of it's very cool to see these different scenarios where something happens there that changes it changes everything. Where <clears throat> I spoil, spoil, spoiler alert, 
for the first episode where, um, you know, originally back in, back in Captain America first in the first Avenger where Steve Rogers was originally supposed to be, get the, um, the serum and become Captain America. Well, and what if something happened where Steve was unable to, he got shot and then Peggy Carter ended up going into the machine and, and um, taking on anti serum and she became uh, Captain Carter. So that was cool. And you got to see also, for example, the second episode where instead of um, uh, Peter Quill being kidnapped and uh, taken up to space where eventually he became Star Quill is actually uh, T'Challa. <laughs> who, aka Black Panther, who was kidnapped, and he became he became Star Lord. And it's very interesting to see kind of how what a difference he made in the galaxy due to that. Like Thanos was a good guy and all and everything. But, but all the episodes were great. All the episodes were great. And what's cool about it? This is actually canon into Phase Four because it is it has a lot of a lot of this was this was the multiverse. It was the different universes that we saw. And what's cool about it, we kind of, at the last two episodes, we kind of started to see it all come together where, okay, spoiler for the episode eight, um, Ultron actually won. And it, remember, Angel Ultron, you know, he started with, you know, Tony crediting him and he started like creating chaos and everything, but he was defeated. But here, he actually got hold of Vision and controlled him and ended up um, destroying the Avengers and destroying the whole world. And he eventually ended up getting the Infinity Stones from Thanos and ended up destroying the entire um, universe that he lived in. But then, eventually, in, the, in that episode, he got wind of, of the guy he was narrating, who was called the Watcher. You got, he, he narrated all the episodes, but then Ultron actually saw the Watcher and then broke into where he was, and then they he started traveling to different uh, universes and destroying them. And then this led to the Watcher having to grab Peggy Carter, like different characters from different episodes through the series, to defeat Ultron. It's pretty fascinating. It's pretty fascinating to see, and I'm curious to see like how... This will affect the multiverse of madness that's been happening with Loki <clears throat> that happened there. Now we saw with this, and now we we know that Spider-Man No Way Home is going to deal with this. It's very curious in how this is going to play into it, because obviously it is, so probably something that Ultron did will... <laughs> you know, play an effect to it. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry guys. But I'm very curious to see where it goes. But it, overall, it was a great series. There's that, here's actually the trailer for it, right here. Yeah, peace. I love peace. I'd be out of a job with peace. Do we know each other? Time. Reality. Reality. 
It's changeable. Where you want to be? That's the question, isn't it? Every universe is different. Each one unique. Slow down a little bit. There's a few people in the room that don't understand. Not me, I, I get it. Who are you? The name's Captain Carter. Scheiße! I am the Watcher. I observe all that transpires here. But I do not, cannot, will not interfere. I guess I have to freestyle then. Hey! We have you out of bird. A ravager never flies solo. I said never flies solo. Uh, is that some kind of catchphrase? You had me worried for a second. Journey to face the unknown and ponder the question. What if? So again, it was a is a great series, and I definitely recommend checking it out, especially if you're kind of um, getting into Marvel and especially Phase Four and everything, because I think it will play an important part into it. Anyways, um, so that's, I think that's all I have for this episode, so I'll be back here next week with all the latest. My name is Sean Clinton, and this is a Guide to Freedom Show. If you enjoyed this episode of the Guide to Freedom Show, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Remember, you can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anchor. Thank you for listening and watching, and as always, all glory to be to God.